with over 2 million illegal alien arrests in the United States this year alone, the question the church should be asking is, now that we're faced with this many people from the nations in our country, what should we do about it? Let's talk about that as you watch your culture stray further every day. What you believe about God dictates how you will think. Our philosophies dictate how our culture behaves. Politics is simply the enforcement of cultural norms. The truth claims about God, philosophy, culture, and policies will affect what we value. When these things are in alignment, revival is possible. Well, hello there, and welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events through the lens of the Christian worldview. If uh, my tongue is tied, we just had a birthday party with ice cream cake for Miss Producer, so happy birthday, Miss Producer. Uh, so if I'm running a little bit sluggish under the tongue, I'm I'm on the uh, tongue freeze hangover. But uh, today I'm joined in studio by Miss Nikki in the chair of theology. How are you? Good. How are you today? Doing well. Glad to have you in. Glad to be here. And uh, dealing with the reason why we believe what we believe. To her left, we got Josh. Yes, sitting in the chair of philosophy. How's it going? It's going good, sir. Glad to have you there. And to his left, we got uh, Mr. Steve in the chair of culture. Yes, sir, man. I'm going to be stepping on down this road here on the chair of culture. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And to his left, we've got the Chauncey. Howdy. <laughs> glad to have you back. We're glad to have you back, brother. Yeah, it's time to get political. You He's, know, I didn't want to get there today, but we're going to go today. Okay. Sitting in the chair of politics. Absolutely. Uh, don't be afraid to get a higher framing on those. You're doing a good job. Uh, so let's get into it. News stories in the link down below in the description. But... Uh, you have 2 million illegal immigrants caught crossing the border. That doesn't include those who weren't caught. And that's a significant unknown number. But today I want to share some some Pew Research polls. Uh, they're old polls, okay? They're circa 2012. But it's some of the best data that we have on religious affiliation of illegal immigrants. And uh, everyone here has got this in the, in the show map uh, chat where this is from Pew Research. Again, link in the description below. But approximately 83% of the illegal immigrants at the time of this polling were Christian or, you know, specifically, more specifically Catholic, right? Roman right. Catholic immigrants. So that sets up an interesting question mark as to how should we proceed? But before we kind of get into how we're going to move forward on this, I want to start us off by looking to the scriptures. And there is a lot going on with well, people will say illegal immigration is not in the Bible. All of the concepts that deal with this are. And so I want to throw it over to Mrs. Pomeroy and just go ahead and tell us what the Bible does say about the alien and also about borders. Well, God did institute borders. I mean, when he raised up Israel as a sovereign nation and gave them land, it had specific borders to it. So we can understand that that is a, a, a scriptural reference. Borders are um, sovereign as far as God ordained them. Yes, you know, and so that's the first thing. But also, in uh, I'll read to you in Psalms one forty seven fourteen is uh, we hear that Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter. And by the way, even when you go back to Genesis, He said the waters could come this far. Mm-hmm. So the land, so just to th- think about that. So borders are a God-ordained thing. It also says in Isaiah sixty eighteen, we see that heaven has borders, perhaps endless, but also distinctly separate and protected from evil. Thou hast set all the borders of the earth, and thou hast made summer and winter. So when we're talking about borders, there's nothing, it, it's for a purpose. And that's what you need to examine. What is the purpose of borders? So, let's talk about that, and that, that's something I, I do want to go to the chair of philosophy in just a moment on, but the purpose of borders, if they're God-ordained, there's a reason. 
that they exist. Mm-hmm. So before we move to philosophy, I do want to I do want to stay with you for just a moment. What is the government instituted to protect? Well, to protect its people and to do that, you have to protect its borders. Um, Chauncey and I were talking about this earlier. That's for example, this is not that we don't want anybody to come across our borders. Right. It's just God is a God of order. And when you just allow a free open border, you're going to lose order. No. Um, let's take into example that we have a home. We all live in a home and and I live in an apartment, okay? I might be able to take in one or two people and help those people. I can't take in 20 people. And so when people are coming across the borders, you want to be set up in a, in a way that you can help those people in the best manner by protecting the people that live within those borders. That's what this is all about. It's about helping the people who are qualified to come over. That means they're not wanted criminals and they have met the, the standard that's going to protect America and help America and protect the people in America. That's what the borders are for. Does that mean we don't kick them out within 48 hours, John Arthur? Correct. Correct. And so that's something that... That's just a reference to something that occurred a little bit earlier, not too many days ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's important to realize that this is a God-ordained institution, and it's here to protect the Mm -hmm. people. So, but at, at the same time, there's something else that we need to consider. What does the Bible say about the alien? What, what, what does the Bible specifically tell us about laws and about treatment of the stranger in our land? You know, it, it's interesting that you brought that out. Um, in Exodus twenty two twenty one, it says, Do not mistreat an alien or oppress him, for you were aliens in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And then it says in Leviticus twenty five twenty three, When an alien lives with you in your land, do not mistreat him. The stranger who lives as a foreigner with you shall be to you as a native born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you lived as a foreigner in the land of Egypt. I am Yahweh, your God. Um, Do you want me to go on to numbers? The one of the things, okay, so let me put this. Because that um, puts it all in perspective. Okay, and so numbers 15, uh, 15 and 16. The community is to have the same rules for you and for the foreigner residing. Now listen to this. This is important. The same rules apply. This is a lasting ordinance for the generation to come. You and the foreigner shall be the same before the Lord. The same laws and regulations will apply to you and to the foreigner residing among you. Amen. So, and I just want to note this. You are coming into Israel. We're talking about Israel here. You're going to obey the laws. And that means the laws that God has set down for his people. So, if Sunday's the Sabbath, I don't care if it's the Sabbath where you came from. It's the Sabbath in Israel, in the land that you just came into. It is the Sabbath. You'll be treated with the same respect, but you come in to that country, and you are going to embrace their culture, their religion, and their economics. Because a lot of Christians come to this, and they and they and where they'll go is they'll say that somehow this prohibition towards being cruel and enslaving and mistreating the alien. Somehow that prohibition means that the laws of the land don't apply. And that's just not the case. You read your scripture. Uh, you know, th- th- there's a really good pastor in Houston. His name is Shannon Talley. Uh, pastor Shannon Talley really puts it well when he says, uh, you know, the Bible's an interesting book. If you had read that, it would have dispelled you of your ignorance. True. And if you would just read the Bible a little bit, you'd understand that, there is a standard set and we can hold a level ground. Some people say, do, are we to be merciful and kind or are we to obey the letter of the law? And my response to that is that's not, those aren't mutually exclusive. That's correct. And it protects, remember, it's not just protecting the people here. It's protecting the people coming in. And when you're undocumented, you're open to a lot of crime. That's what, you know, that's happening to undocumented um foreigners that are coming into and, land, and we'll get there but it's the least merciful thing that you can do moving over to the chair of philosophy so some people will will say that the only dichotomy that you have the only opportunity that you are afforded is that you can go ahead and uh let them in or deport them all but 
I don't think it's going to be possible to do that. So what should the church do if we can't deport all the illegal aliens? And maybe that's not even the merciful or the just thing to do at this point. What should the church be thinking about philosophically from its purpose? I think what we see is a moral conundrum that has occurred. There's people coming from dangerous situations south of the border, and they're seeking refuge in a, in a, in a country that's safer, that provides more opportunity, and that ultimately help, supports its people in a better way. And it won't be on the side of the cartels or whatever else is going on down there. And has a better, a better currency, quite frankly, because the peso is just it's worth nothing when you go outside the country. But then you have the fact that it's illegal and it goes against the law of the land. So what is the answer? So let's, to answer this question, we need to unpack all the different assets or the, all, the, all the different facets, sorry, not assets, facets of the situation. Let's talk about the people who are currently here that came illegally. I don't think the answer is to deport those people. Agreed. I think the answer there is to say, we give them forgiveness. It's like what Miss Nikki said from the passage. It's scripturally supported. We bring these people into our land. But we also set this expectation that, hey, when you come into this land, you have to be about this land. And and I'm not saying you get rid of your culture completely because multicultural, I mean, cultures are great. I mean, the Lord has given us so many different cultures. But I am. But what it is to say is that, man, you're going to serve the Lord of this land. And if, if, if it's Judeo-Christianity, which it is, we're going to serve Judeo Christianity. But then we have the people who are coming across the border right now who are coming illegally. We don't support the illegal activity because it's illegal. It's against the law of the land. But let's say the people who are doing it, we're not going to shun them away. Or we shouldn't shun them away. And it's a great ministry, quite frankly, that you can bring this person in, you can support this person, and you can give them the gospel, the, the best news they'll ever hear. More important, more, 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 more impactful than the American dream, the gospel. Amen. Amen. And that's something that I think a lot of Christians lose sight of. They kind of get this idea that just because the law says one thing, our ministry is now limited by that law. Well, we have whereas, to adjust. Whereas Jesus reached out to the lawless he reached out to those who didn't measure up to the standard you do you, you, you see where this leads he came to us when we were in evil and when we were in wrong should we not do the same holding a loving standard being merciful and kind but holding truth in our hands and saying look you can be here in this country but you need to get legal and we need to find a way to make that path optional. But more important than that, you need Christ. And you need to understand that living to the fullest of that, of that calling, if, if you are already a Christian, if you are, say, a Roman Catholic coming from Central America, when you come here, you have the chance to participate in the American experiment and bring righteousness, godliness. N none of these... Catholic Roman Catholic immigrants want abortion. Most of them do not want CRT or drag queens in their preschool, you know, classrooms. We're on the winning side here. And that leads me over to the chair of culture. And I want to go ahead and feed this question to you. When we look at why we're seeing this massive influx of illegal immigrants it's part of a political and a culture war. What would be the most poetic thing to happen to their political culture war in regards to illegal immigrants? Turn it on its head. I mean, absolutely. Because you look at it, the percentage of the number of people that are showing up are largely Latin American. <clears throat> and it's like you said, they are... Mostly Catholic, not all of them are Catholic, because there are plenty of people that are from uh, Latin America that are not Catholic, but are Christian, but of other faiths of Christianity. Um, 
And it's like you mentioned, they're not CRT people. They're not drag queen people. They're not about teaching, you know, that a man can be a woman or a woman can be a man or all of this, you know, wanting to have drag queen hour in school or teaching multigenderism or any of this other nonsense that goes on instead of teaching math history civics i mean think about it who who here knows about when the last time they actually taught civics in class i mean really i mean do they really do they i don't know i mean i'm i'm in my 60s i don't know if they still teach civics in school anymore i mean you think about it if you were learning civics what side of the coin are you going to be on? That's what Chauncey and I were joking about before uh, <laughs> before we got on air. How, how do you go through American civics course and end up being a big government Democrat? Exactly. It's I mean, hard. Couldn't. It's really I hard mean, to, I, to do. I was saying to Chauncey, I was like, think about it. What are you going to be? If you were really studying studying civics, are you going to be a Democrat or are you going to be a Republican? You're surely not going to be a a Democrat because you're really going to learn what government's all about. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's about it. That folds over really well to the chair of politics. It's a nice segue. So I, I want to ask you, Chauncey, we've made political football out of these people's lives and they've been playing with that. Now there's a couple of reasons for that. And, of and course. I want to get you to kind of just, Tease that out for us. Why are they doing that, and what should our response as Christians be politically? Well, number one, I think it's to it's to bring uh, it's to bring division. Number one uh, against this nation uh, and everybody else. Because if you think about it, um, that's one of the biggest issues that they'll bring up is you know when it comes down to theology. It's one of the things is okay. So what are you going to do about the peoples that come from overseas? or they come from different countries. And most of the issues they'll focus on is the border. I mean, we've seen that in the 2020 election with Trump and Biden, and we've seen how they argued about this. But the thing was, they didn't spend so much time on this because of the factor of what they already know. Well, we already know how this is going to go out. But at the end of the day, it's more important to talk about because it's not just people that's coming from Mexico coming over here. It's you got... Many people who are coming from Haiti and the Caribbean islands, they're trying to get a better way of life. And many people just think, well, those people come over here, they just they think they're just evil. And it's like, no. But the thing is, if they want to become an American citizen, they have to do it by the American standard. And that's just the thing. It's not like we're saying, no, you can't come here. We want you to come, but you're just going to have to do it our way. Because we can't just come to your house uninvited, <laughs> especially if you ain't prepared, uh, you know, yes. a big old feast for all of us. So that's just how I see it. And that right there, you, you really set it up really well for the chair of economics. You use the word setting up a feast, setting up the abundance. What you have here from the chair of economics, what you have here is a nation that has set up social safety nets. And these people have paid nothing into those social safety nets. And and I'm again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that if someone's sick or ill that we shouldn't take care of them. But what do you do when you have an influx of tens of millions of people on a social safety net that's already breaking? And instead of integrating them into society, they get all of the benefits of citizenship with none of the responsibilities. I'm not, if you guys have been listening long enough, you guys know that I'm, I'm, I'm sort of anti-tax. I think, I think if they can tax your income, your income is not a right. Okay. The U S government was built to run on tariffs and on trade. And that was originally how our constitution was framed. Income tax is something right. that was done afterward and added as an unconstitutional amendment because it goes against the, the very core of the framing. But all of that to say, if you are going to tax people and then redistribute that, you cannot redistribute that to a large population of people who you have not 
gotten anything from. That means that you have Americans who have spent their entire lives paying into that system. I'm looking at you, Social Security, insolvent in just a few years. There are my parents, you know, some people in this room are going to come to a point where Social Security is going to break down and your retirement that you counted on, that the government stole from you through a Ponzi scheme, is going. they're going to wash it away. They spent your money. It's gone. You said you said they use the correct word there by using it as a Ponzi scheme, and that's what they're using it as. And it's interesting that they always talk about Social Security running out, and we're talking in the culture that that's going to run out, but welfare never runs out. They never talk about that running out, but Correct. boy, they sure hand that money out on that. And that leads to an interesting thought. Again, it comes down to our government acting outside of its parameter. It's acting in its own self-interest, not in the interest of the people. So now that we've kind of laid out the scope of the landscape, I want to turn. So, again, maybe I'll put a link to the card in here. If people are tired of hearing the political side of this, you know, so that they can skip to this point. I want to move on from smelling the rotten egg that we're in into how does the church react to this? Starting with the chair of theology, how should our, where should our response come from? Well, I do like the fact that of reading today about the ministries that some churches have set up to help uh, illegal immigrants, especially the um, children that are here without a parent they come across by themselves i don't i don't understand any of this um and my heart just breaks about it so i think that is important to try to set up and help in those areas you can't take those children into your own home but you can wherever they're being housed you can help with meals and maybe provisions and that's one way to do it another way i would like to i'm going to go off on this is that I do understand the suffering that goes on in other countries. If I was in another country, I'd probably do everything I could to get to America. So I don't have any qualms with people who want to come to America. I understand. But we can't solve everybody's problem here. But we can send missionaries to other countries that can put their eyes upon the Lord and they can solve those issues that way. Because God is not just about salvation. He wants to come into your life and make your life better. I mean, he, he didn't doesn't want people to suffer and go hungry and and have you know one class abusing another class or you know so when you introduce christ into an area it changes the people and it changes the circumstances so we can't bring everybody here to solve the problem but we can send missionaries to other countries and embracing a christian um, religion understanding who god is through salvation through prayer it will change the society Absolutely. And that right there kind of lends to the, the point I want to go philosophically. You're looking at a large group of people who were here. We had two, two things to juggle when we started off with scripturally. The sacredness of our borders, but also the Great Commission and the alien in our land. So... Can we hold a logical standard in our mind where we say, yes, you're here illegally, and I want you to get legal. I want you to go through the system. I want you to look for amnesty opportunities. But also, here's Christ. And the reason I'm not turning you in, because if I turn you in, it's not going to change anything. How do we go about that? We got to stop operating in the, in the black and white. I'm not saying black and white isn't good. But I'm saying that there's a lot of gray out there, and it needs to be addressed. With this situation in particular, I think it's a really gray area situation, and all circumstances are different, obviously. But in the case of that, where we have the opportunity to be able to minister to these people, I think about it as if, I know these people are, are actually a part of our country, but whenever Hurricane Katrina or a natural disaster happens and people are bust into the state, or in Texas, specifically to go to the Astrodome. There is not that many churches that really stepped up to the plate there to go minister to those people. And you think about that's a natural disaster, and that's in our own country, and people mm -hmm. aren't stepping up for other people. And what better time to get them? 
And what better time to get them? So think about if that's for people in our own country that we're not stepping, that the church is not stepping up for. I mean, it's, I can only admit, we can only assume that the, that the latter of somebody coming from out of country, it's even less of a priority for some reason on people's boards. Yeah. So the, the, the key is we really need to ask ourselves an important question as Christians. Are we really about sharing this gospel? Are we really about being faithful messengers? Because if we are, then we need to use this time and this opportunity whenever we encounter someone that is coming to this country illegally. I mean, that whole, uh, what was it, uh, DACA? Was it DACA? Yeah. That whole entire DACA fiasco, whenever that was coming, that was a big topic of discussion. There was a lot, there was a lot of people in my high school that were a part of that DACA program. And, man, I, I think back to that and just the fact that that was such a good opportunity to be able to talk to those people. Well, guess what? I feel like the opportunity has kind of arisen again now, and now we have another opportunity. So if we encounter people like this, we need to really optimize this opportunity. And, and how do you do that? The way to optimize it, you got to go. You got to go. <laughs> I, I know that sounds... You have to spend time with them. Yeah, you got to go and spend time with them. You can't... Everyone's busy. Everyone's busy. Everyone has something to do. Everybody has a really long work day. Everyone has priorities at the household. But the thing about ministry that I've come to learn over the years is that ministry requires time investment where there is no time. And that's just the, that's just the truth of the matter. It's making time where there is no time. Wow. Because it's, that's, that's what matters. And I know at least I'll speak for my, myself. You know, I, I work like a hundred plus hours a week and this is not to boast or anything. It's just to tell you the facts. I, I feel like I can speak to this pretty well because I do work a lot of hours and I don't really get a lot of sleep and it's a, it's, it's a lot of time investment. And guess what? There's days where I wake up and I'm thinking about the fact that we have Wednesday night church or we have a, a, a VBS that's going to be happening or we have a, a Friday night missions opportunity and I'm like, man, that's going to be exhausting. I'm already so exhausted. But then it's so important to remember then that... Why are you here? It's not, yeah, why am I here? It's not about me. And I think when you get outside of yourself and you think about... That's the answer. Getting outside of yourself and realizing it's really not about you and me. It's about these people's souls. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll toot this man's horn for a moment a little bit further. In addition to working a very, very strenuous job in logistics, he also helps out with an illegal... Uh, an outrage that the pre- predominant group of people who we're ministering to are illegals. Uh, so just just so you know who's speaking over there, he actually does. He is walking that. He is working that. In uh, absolutely, it's about engaging them. Once we have engaged the individuals, what happens to the culture? Once we start to get those individuals on a personal level and we're holding these these two standards right we're, 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 but they're actually one the love and grace of jesus christ but also the standard of this is the law and you're at risk for being in the situation what happens to our culture and the way the culture sees us as christians when we're able to hold an intellectually consistent standard well there are those people that want to they go, okay, which one am I going to do? Am I going to follow this law or am I going to follow this Christian standard? And most, a lot of people want to go this legal route instead of follow God's law because they're more interested in the government and man's law because, oh, let me see here. I, I, I don't want to get in trouble with the police. A lot of people follow that law instead of following, say, God's law. I mean, you think about which one was here first. Amen. God's law was here first before man's law was. And I mean, what, where was the first laws laid down? Right in, in the Garden of Eden. I mean, they weren't written down like for Moses, but God gave laws to Adam, Adam and Eve. Eve. That's 
written on not their heart. Not to do this, not to do that. Now, they weren't written down on a tablet, but he said, okay, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Okay? So it started off by doing and not doing certain things. So, and then it went from there and then was given in certain ways in other areas. So we got to make these decisions on which ones we want to do. And then you end up getting into a point to where people were going to go and, and you get to this cultural point to where, okay, people are going to go, well, you know, we got these illegal people coming in and, you know, we got uh, these Christian people in these churches and they want to minister to them and they want to do for these. But what about all these poor people we need to take care of that are citizens? We need to take care of them. And this is the flip side to this. Yes. You know, and because there's always this other side of the coin that needs to be taken care of. So we've got two points and two sides of the coin that needs to be done. And we now, do need it. We need do need to take into consideration the criminal aspect of the illegal aliens that come in correct. and now, bring harm. Now, there are things that as Christians and the church, there are things that the church can do for illegal aliens that are not illegal. And that includes clothing, giving giving food. uh food but you cannot give them shelter in the form of a building. And if you employ them, they have to become legal. They have to be on that status. And that's something that we can offer as an incentive is we can say, we can offer you employment and not slave labor. And that was something I wanted to get to a little bit later. I wanted to get to that later about the, the issue of, for lack of a better word, um, taking advantage of their situation in their state and that's that's something that's very true is that you do have a criminal element in this situation because there's two things there there's two types of people who are here legally those who are here because for opportunity and for whatever reason they didn't feel like they were wealthy enough to get through the system or they ha- couldn't wait okay there's that one and then there's the illegal alien who's here because they're part of a gang or they're part of some sort of trafficking etc and the thing is, you, you don't get a chance to distinguish between those two when you have your both borders open. And so you do have your poor, and the poor are the most affected. Thank you, Ms. Producer. They are the most affected by the illegal immigration. Immigrants who are here legally are the most affected. So when we hold that high standard culturally, you can have a much stronger impact. Christians who divorce themselves from reality and say, well, we can allow illegal aliens to come in for love, you really lose the potency of your message. I'm just saying, because you're not intellectually consistent. Correct. And go ahead. No, well, and you know, you're talking about the ones that come in for specific reasons, and then you got the ones that the like like you said the cartel are dealing with that are you know smuggling in and one of their reasons is okay now when you're coming in one of your deals is is you got to bring in all of these illegal types of 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 contraband whether whatever types of drugs it is and right now one of the major drugs is phenanthol and you look at the number of young people between the age of, what is it, 15 and, what, 35 or 40 that are dying. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. I heard a report. I was watching a report on the news two days ago, and it I blew me away how many people are dying from this stuff every year. I had a son-in-law that passed away not less than a year ago, and uh, my granddaughter, I say a son-in-law, he was my granddaughter's husband, didn't even realize he was taking this stuff. She takes a shower, bathes her her, uh, baby, gets out of the shower, and goes to check him when he went to sleep. 
he he's dead already. Yeah. And there's a I large mean, amount. Can like within yeah. fifteen minutes. And there's a large amount of that trafficking that is allowed to happen explicitly because of the inconsistent standard that we're holding at the border. And so I, I, I want to move over to the chair of politics here. I want to move over to you, Chauncey. And the government was ordained for really for one reason, and that was to protect the people. So once we have this inconsistent standard, how do we, how do we navigate that? How do we navigate that as Christians as far as voting and as far as still maintaining an open discourse? If we're going to have open conversations and we're going to bring um, a lot of insight on this topic, there has to be a lot of discernment that has to take place. Because I, I feel like in this nation today and in today's society, I don't think there's a lot of discernment that's happening. If you take a look at what's going on, there's a lot of people that's living in this false reality of, well, you know, they're just over here. They're not causing no trouble. But then there's the evil side of it where there's crime that's just happening all over the place. You know, and, and it, no matter where you go, guys, there's always going to be crime. Yes, that's true. That's very true. But when you got a certain amount of people that's coming in one area and they're bringing all of this chaos, what are you going to do? There's got to be some order around here. You know, that's why we've always had overseers. We had watchers. We had watchmen. That's, that's, that's biblical. And it's, it's because of the fact that there has to be order. Before there was any battles that took place in, in, the, in, the, in the word, there was somebody that would let off a horn, let off the trumpet and let them know, hey, the enemies are here. <laughs> you know, there's, there's people that's here, Watch and so the thing, and, and, the, and the thing is, is that, and then, and then, this is why we have this the separation, the border, where it is, and many people was uh, demonizing the fact that, you know, that this wall was just going to bring separation of people, but no, it's it's order, it's order and protection, right? And so that's the thing. It's like, why you think? I mean. <laughs> I'll be honest. I mean, you even got these, you know, they came out with the, the ring technology. That's not stopping anybody from breaking in the home. They look at that and they're not going to say, hey, how you doing? And it's kicking your door. <laughs> they, they're going to sit there and, and be like, oh, boom. And they're just going to do what they do because they're they're in darkness. And so us as, as believers, if we come across uh, someone who is from another country but just wants to live in the right way. We can still present it in the gospel and let them know who Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior is, because that is mainly important. You know, and many people can get into the politics all, all day, but you got to ask yourself, if you was in their shoes, what would you do? What yeah. would you do? Yeah. Would you want somebody to come and witness to you about our Lord and Savior? Right. Or do you want somebody to just, you know, be of, the, you know, this Christian and then they never present to you the gospel? I mean, how much do you have to hate someone? In the words of uh, his name's Penn, or was it, was it Penn or was it Teller? It was it was Gillette. It was Gillette. He goes and says, uh, "How much do you have to hate someone to believe that there's a heaven and a hell and a reality of an afterlife and not tell someone?" And you know, I I just want to say, Christians, we church, we need to be here to change this nation and if the government is acting in a way that is contrary to god's law and contrary to the way that god would have us run it god is still in control and we need to step up and be part of evangelizing and more importantly than evangelizing see what i did there more importantly than evangelizing is discipling and I, I, I want to say that because another really good theologian in the Houston area, name is uh, Scott Powers, said it really well. Uh, he says, discipling begins before salvation. What he meant by that, not in every case, but in general, to have someone come to a restorative knowledge of Jesus Christ, not be part of the Baptist church, not be part of the Catholic church, not be a part of whatever, a restorative relationship with Jesus Christ. Usually there was someone with them, discipling them, pouring into them. That's what we should be doing with our time. And it takes time. 
It takes time. People in this room know there's mm-hmm. a bunch of us in this room who go and do these ministries. We know that it soaks up, it soaks up a couple of days out of our, you know, out of our time. It's something that we don't have time for, but guess what? Why are you here? It really isn't for the American dream. You're here to make disciples of men. That includes your family. That's your first ministry. But then that includes other people. God is all about reproduction and reaching out to these people. And again, encouraging them in godliness, encouraging them in lawfulness is something that you can do just as a normal everyday person for revival to start. It has to start with you. It has to start with you and you have to start by reaching out to those who do not know Christ or who are walking outside of Christ, not in any other way than meekness and in love and in humility. People think meekness means damp dish towel. Jesus was meek. Even as he whipped the Pharisees out and, you know, and the gold changers out of the temple, Jesus was meek. Meekness is power under restraint. It's authority under restraint. Mm -hmm. You're walking in restraint. We should be telling these people about our Lord and Savior, and we should be reaching out to them and telling them, hey, let's try to find a way to get you legal. Because economically, and I said I was going to get here, one of the worst things that can happen to someone is to be in the United States illegally and with the wrong company. Because you see people traffic for work, as our friend from Redeemed was telling us about, Mr. Dennis Mark, sex trafficked or work trafficked. He's usually female or male, respectively. But both both happen too. You have female maids and you have male prostitutes, okay, who are forced into this because they're here illegally. And because they're in such a bad situation, they do not have the opportunities to protect themselves. We should be about protecting even the alien in our land because just as we were aliens in this, or just as we are aliens in this world, we are of a different world now. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are of a different world. You're a stranger in a strange land. You should treat people as you would like to be treated. And that includes reproof in a loving way. That includes reproof in a loving way, telling them, hey, let's try to get you legal. Let's try to get you a citizen. And more importantly, do you know Jesus Christ? If the church were able to flip this on its head, I'm telling you, the cultural and political war, just hear the shrieks of anguish of the the leftists who wish to destroy God's order in society, if we could just turn the illegal immigrant population into conservative Christians. Just think about that for a little bit. (laughs) That would be phenomenal. Yeah. So we're in our last little bit here, last five minutes. I just want to get around the room, wrapping up thoughts from the chair of theology. How can we be best prepared to speak to folks about Christ folks who aren't necessarily here legally? I don't think that's very hard. You speak to them like you would anybody else. You want to you know, you know, do you know Christ as your Savior? I mean, you can come to America, and I know that's a hope and a prayer, but that's not your salvation. I mean, you can come to America and have a miserable life, but with the Christ, you have the life that God ordained for you, He desired for you. So you just share to them like you would anyone else. And I think when you can't share with somebody if you have an attitude toward them. You have to share in love, and you have to share with concern and Amen. compassion. You have to be compassionate, and, and that's what you do. Amen. Moving over to the chair of philosophy, if someone says, yeah, but you're, you're, you're a Christian and you vote conservatively, don't you hate my guts? Aren't these two things at odds? How can you be offering me Jesus and love, but also holding the standard yeah, you know, you know the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he kind of just throws all the logic out the door, and I don't. Oh, mean I know. No, John Arthur, you have to let me speak on this, man. Go, go. Okay. So when I say that, I don't mean that in the literal sense of throwing all the logic out the door. That's not what I'm talking. I'm not saying that philosophy is not important. I'm not saying that logic's not important. I'm saying that the human-made logic gets thrown out the door because the human logic would say, "Okay, 
tradition. You, you know, you guys got to hate these people. You guys have to. That's what the human logic says. But the logic that we know from the scripture is that 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 love from Christ is unconditional. It doesn't come with any bars on it. It It's just love for the sake of love. He, he loves you because he loves you. And so that's what we should be doing with these with these people who are coming over illegally and the people who are currently here illegally. Well spoken. God's wisdom is foolishness back, man. to man. I'm telling you, God's foolishness is or God's wisdom is foolishness to man. Beautifully put. <clears throat> Beautifully put. It's the clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Steve. Culturally. Yes. How do we go about being ambassadors for Christ in this culture? In this culture, we got to get away from thinking that the only that people that come across can't and should not be welcomed. That these people are an opportunity for the church to be brought into the fold of Christianity and can be used for the purpose of Christ and can be shown the way that, you know, they, how do I want to say, the, the, the liberal left's ways of CRT and all of this squeaky wheel stuff of this multicolored flag. Cultural uh, Marxism. And Marxism and fascism and socialism is not the way of America that these people coming across have the same kinds of values that the culture of America is set up for. They want the same thing that America was founded on. That's why they come here. They look at what America was developed and made about, and they go, that's what I want. That's what I. That's why I want to go to America, to have what those people have. And then they come here, and they see some of this stuff, and they go, what, 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 what's going on here? That's not what they want. And we need to show them that this culture is not that and turn it around and show them that it can be as long as they go in the direction that Christ and the right way that government should be developed, not the way that government is Going has been twisted. And people need yes. to get involved and vote that way and vote the way they should, which is a Judeo Christian method, which is what our government in this country was originally founded on. Believe it or not, that is what we were founded on. Amen. Leading us back to the Judeo-Christian ethic. Very good. Moving over to Chauncey politically. How should we be speaking to these folks when they say, don't you hold this one view? What's more important to us than just the border? Well, what's more important is to go there for, teach all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. We have to hold to Matthew 28, 19 very seriously because if we don't, you're going to lose a lot of people who, who who just want to not only get to a safer place, but want to serve their Lord and Savior in peace with all liberty and all freedoms that there has been given to them. And you think about it this way, you know, I have a brother in Christ who had a little, who has a little brother right now who was just helping somebody, helping a group of people on the side of the road and, you know, helps them out. And they're driving down to their destination, and the next thing you know, and the cop pulls them over, and he got, you know, booked in jail and everything, and they accused him of smuggling. And all mm-hmm. he was doing was just, all he did was just help somebody, was just helping people out. You know, that's what the word tells us to do is go help the needy, go help the poor, be the poor, reach out to them and everything. And then he gets accused of something 
that he had no idea that what he was doing. And that's why I say the sermon has to be brought up in today's in today's culture. If you think about it, there's so many people who've came over here when they was, you know, four or five years old, who went through the whole grade school system, graduated, and they didn't have their papers, they didn't have their documents, but they still made themselves great citizens. And I'm just letting you, I'm just letting everybody know. If you're new, if you know somebody out there who's needing the proper documents and is needing the right resources, you're not alone. Go reach out to somebody who is in need of these things. Amen. The one thing you need to bring to them is the gospel. Because, yeah, they can come over here to America, get the freedoms, get the liberty, and, and, and serve or do what they want to do. But if they do not have a personal relationship with the Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. all this political, economic, theologies, economic stuff, that will go all out the window on a day of judgment. Because all he's going to ask you is, did you know my son? Yes or no? And you do not want that answer to be no. Let that answer be yes. So you can go somewhere. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that would grant you everything. The promised land. Because that is our ultimate goal is to come to the promised land. Amen. amen and amen. Moving over to the chair of economics, just to wrap it up, then I'm going to thank y'all because this producer's got a jet. Just know that the value of your time, the value of your energy is best spent pouring into people. Pour into those who are here illegally. Pour into them Christ. Make a point of serving these people, not in an enabling sense, but in the sense of, I want you to understand how much Jesus Christ loves you. And when they start to see that, when they actually can see that in your life, you can win them over. And when you win them over in that way, hope and pray we can get the legal system sorted out. We could be fighting on one end to stop the, the crisis that's been set up at our border by our government. And at the other end, we can be offering a helping hand, the loving hand of Christ to those who are in need. If you enjoyed this episode, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you didn't, double smash that dislike button in some multiple of two. Okay? Some multiple of two. You'll feel better. And uh, with that said, we love you. That's it for today. Bye. Bye. See you. See you.